Welcome to the Stepmomming Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Skiles. Stepmomming is a wild ride, but you don't have to go it alone anymore. I'm here to give you validating insights and powerful shifts to build a stepmom life you love. This is your safe space. Welcome home, my friend. Hello, and welcome back to the Stepmoming Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Skiles, and today I am joined by the most fabulous guest. I'm with Barb Goldberg, the author of The Evil Stepmother Speaks. I'm sure you've heard of her. Barb, I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I think you meant the most fabulous, like the oldest stepmom on the planet. No, that is <laughs> not what I meant, but we do appreciate your experience. Barb, you're a fabulous person. You're an amazing stepmom. You're a wonderful friend. I'm so, so excited that you're here. I know that everyone who's listening can learn so much from you. I would love to just take a beat and read your bio so anyone who's sure. not familiar with you for some reason gets to, gets to know you and your family. Barb Goldberger is the author and the owner of the Evil Stepmother Speaks website, blog, and book. As the stepmother to three children and the biological mom to one son, Barb has been through the trenches and understands the challenges of stepmother life. Now her children are grown and she can look back and teach practical solutions while keeping you laughing along the way. Barbara has a bachelor's degree in special education, a master's degree in business administration, and is a certified Dr. Martha Beck life coach. She holds stepmom retreats every year and also coaches stepmoms. Amazing. You are super stepmom. It's been an amazing journey, <laughs> that I can say. <laughs> I love it. I love everything that you share, and you talk about how you keep us laughing along the way, and anyone who's read your book knows that's true. <laughs> um, I don't totally want to dive all the way into talking about your book and all your life lessons, but we're talking about your experience as a stepmom. Has it always been easy for you? You've just always been a guru at this? Or have you learned some lessons along the way? Are there? Th oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyone that ever tells you that this job is easy is lying. Yes. Okay. Lying. Um, no, it was as hard as probably all of us know. It's like, it's like an experience we share as a group of stepmoms along the planet. And I don't th think I have to explain it, right? Yeah. It's stressful, hurtful lonely, frustrating, and confusing. That's about it. And I just went through the trenches to figure it out just like anybody else. So it was then that I realized, and this is now a while ago, I know there's a lot of us out there talking about it now, but I was like, someone's got to talk about this. This is just crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. And even now, like with all the resources, this, this, this is crazy. Yeah. So I would say that it's, of course, way easier now. The kids are grown and I don't care, yeah. and I don't think anybody cares anymore. Anybody, I don't, and that's what you have to look forward to, because like none of us care. I mean, that's human nature, right? Like we're not going to care, and uh, but it doesn't help you now yeah. when you've got little kids at home and to say, oh great, in forty years I'm not going to care. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that doesn't help. I know we, that doesn't help. We always say time heals and time helps, but that mm -hmm. is the most frustrating advice. <laughs> it is. It's horrible advice. I give it all the time. <laughs> Is there anything that while you were in the trenches that maybe mm -hmm. you would have done differently that looking back, you're like, oh, it's probably counterproductive to my goals. 
Well, when I think about that, I, th I think it's this in general, the one thing I would have done, even if I hadn't been a stepmom or whatever, and like, you know, just not been so stressed out. I think when the cortisol gets rolling through your system and being so anxious most of the time, but again, it wouldn't matter, right? Because it's making a living, taking care of kids, trying to keep a relationship going. So I was probably crabby a good percentage of the time, tired all the time. But that's like a, I feel like it's more like a working mom thing, you know? And I always look back and think, oh, I wish I could have yeah. been calmer or, but I don't really know the answer besides drugs and <laughs> life. Yeah, life is stressful. Life is a mom is stressful. Life as a stepmom is stressful. It's just in general stressful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I looking back, know there are a thousand things I would have done differently, and I think that stress is definitely one of them. It, it drives a lot of that behavior. Yeah. Um, just losing patience, and um, just you know, especially then you always wonder. Although I don't think this is the case, but. You do wonder when you have bio children balancing the time that I spend. Nobody's complaining. Well, how do I know? But, you know, nobody's complained about that. But that crosses my mind on occasion, you know. There's, so I don't have children of my own. But when I talk with my clients who do, there's always this added layer of guilt of the pressure that they feel for their own kids in this dynamic as well. Right. Ian would disagree. My son Ian would disagree. I mean, um He's kind enough. Sometimes when we do retreats, he comes as a guest speaker, as, as do my stepchildren. And he would disagree. He would say that I'm a lot, and he was happy to have me distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Ian doesn't know what yeah. he has. My goodness. <laughs> uh, it worked out. But um, <laughs> listen, it's anything else in life, right? You do the best you can. That's it. With anything you're doing. You do the best you can, and that's it. We as stepmoms, we put so much pressure mm -hmm. on ourselves, especially in those early days. And that's where that stress is coming from. And so whenever you can take a beat and say, okay, I did the best I could today. And that means that right. the oh, kids yeah. bought lunch at school. And I went out with my girlfriends when they were home from school. And mm -hmm. that was the best I could be today. That needs right. to be enough. And mm -hmm. you need to give yourself a pat on the back for, for doing your best. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to talk about this dynamic with Ian and your stepkids for a minute. Is that okay? Oh, sure. Okay. In your book, The Evil Stepmother Speaks, you made a comment. I can't remember the exact verbiage, but you mentioned that sometimes you felt like you were a better stepmom than mom oh, yeah. because you worried that you had to be on with your stepkids. Maybe you were worried they were going to report things back to their other parents or things of that nature. Can you share more about that with us? Because it's so relatable. Oh, yeah. I have to say that, like, a lot of things have gone away, but that one mm. still flies around in my head. Um, I do. I think I'm a better stepmom because it really comes back to the emotion, the emotional attachment, right? So, okay, so Ian and I, you know, um, I married Bruce when Ian was six. So there's six years before that, you know, and mm -hmm. all of that, right? All the mom stuff. In my case, there's divorce, my own divorce to deal with. In my case, um, I had an ex who disappeared. So now it's like, boop, I'm responsible for everything, single mom, 
oh, look what I did. I mean, we can go on and beat ourselves up, right? So I think I have a lot more, um, not love, not the same thing, but guilt, emotional, um, like a responsibility thing. You know, it's so deep rooted with Ian. Uh, yeah, like guilt, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is that makes me act like such a maniac with him much more than I do with my stepchildren where either I do feel, um, this isn't a sound right. It's not love, any different love. No, it's like a sense of distance. I'm, I'm, it's much easier to do the watchful mm -hmm. thing and stand back, which is really the key to life to just stand back with them. Then sometimes with Ian, I can fall into much more, you know, this gets into now like your childhood, mm -hmm. what you saw. Well, you know, my mother behaved and I, I tend to mimic those things more with him mm -hmm. than with the others. I don't know if we'd agree with that, but <laughs> since they're not here, I'm going to go with that. And, um, you know, like a little bit crazier, yeah. just a little bit crazier with him. And, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I actually judge mm -hmm. myself more with him. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I think that's really insightful, especially for me. I don't have kids of my own, but I've had so many stepmoms, coaches, friends who have told me, yeah, but it's going to change when you have kids of your own. Your relationship mm -hmm. with your stepdaughter will change. And I just swore when, for the longest time, I think I was in this sort of denial of, no, but I love her like my own, even though I had no idea what that actually looks like. And as I've had more friends as stepmoms who were childless who now have kids of their own, I can see that distance you're talking about, how they become mm -hmm. consumed with their children because they're, they're all their children have. Their, their child only has two parents. They don't have three or four. And that, that distance, I feel like that was such a great way mm -hmm. to describe what I see in that transformation. It was natural for you bringing Ian in already a six-year-old. Right. But watching stepmoms in this evolution of having their own kids and how their family has had to evolve and change, so fascinating. It is a fascinating dynamic. And also, in our family, it's, it's interesting. The children on their own from day one, um, I suspect they have their own pact going because they have their own lives separate from Bruce and I. So they get together on their own. They make family. You can tell when they're making some kind of family decision about us or something. It's always, <laughs> I can't wait till they pick out the home um, and, and all that. So they never referred to Ian, the, the stepchildren, as stepbrother. They're brothers and sisters, and that's it. And that's how they go forward in the mm -hmm. world. And so, um, um, yeah, so it's they live a different a little bit of a different kind of, of, of existence yeah. as if, you know, they don't let that whole thing, it, it, it just doesn't play. Yeah. And I also will say that again, because um, I've heard the kids talk, I mean, and speak to other stepmoms for me and these things I'm feeling, they didn't, they don't feel. Yeah. So that's the most important lesson to learn. What's swirling in our heads from our childhoods and what we think we should be doing. Most likely the kids are doing great. Yeah. They're doing great. Moral of the story, stopping so hard on yourself because you're doing a great right. job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the other moral is, which I was fairly good at this one, which was mirror what you want them to do. Okay, so if you think about that, do you want them to go and have children and be like, they have no life, they don't go out, they don't have friends, they don't go to happy hour and 
blow something off. They don't forget things or the thought that like if they forgot something or if they weren't perfect, they just they live in this perfectionist hell. No, you want them to see a whole person that's a mess, yeah. you know. And so it really did, it worked out great. Yeah, I love that. Stop giving them, you're, you're almost transferring the pressure to be perfect to them when you put that's that pressure right. on yourself. That's right. Yeah, I love that. Exactly right. Okay, I want to keep talking about your stepkids, but I want to talk about this in a, in a more funny way because you have one of the best rules I've ever heard of any parent I've ever spoken to. So to frame this, we as stepmoms, we crave control. We feel like it's been taken from us in so many ways. And you have a very right. funny rule when it comes to vacations that has helped you to right. reclaim some of that control over situations that maybe would have been outside of your control. Can you tell us more about it? Sure. It's funny that you say this because this is also a downer, but Bruce and I were reviewing our, our wills this week. We had the lawyer meeting, you know, and he said something very similar. He was like, this is the greatest will ever. <laughs> so when I tell you this story, I'm going to flip it back to how your will can help a lot. Okay. It's the same thing, really. And it really goes to everyone's been through this early years, especially if it's the first year we're married. Here comes the big family vacation. We're like all excited. Here we go. Yeah, we're excited, but, you know, the older kids are like, are you kidding? Had an idea that we would, like, rent. let's go into, uh, see the national parks, rent an RV, let's go. And we're all going to be in. And at this point, our older kids were like 15, 13. The two younger ones mm -hmm. are great, 8 and, you know, whatever, 12. Ah, but the tw no, we're not doing that. Like, and then come all the arguing at the table, back and forth. We don't want to go. We don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. And then you can imagine, for those of you in the semi-early years, you're taking it personally, like, and dad's taking it personally because this is his time to show what a fun daddy is and what this big, blended, gorgeous family's going to look like. That's not happening. So we just vowed as of that moment. We didn't go. We didn't do that. We did something mm -hmm. else. And we just vowed, I'm not going to, like, like, look to these guys for approval for like where we're going on vacation and what we're doing. Like, first of all, hello, look at them. No way. So we just made a decision. We'll never tell them again. And we never did. So you it was like, it's them. vacation. Here are the dates. You need to be here. And this is the type of things you need to pack. And we messed with them for years. It was brutal. We have had them pack the wrong clothes. You know, they're carrying like winter clothes to beach vacations. We've um, abandoned them like... Um, one year, this is my personal favorite. We told, which was true, we went to get a family portrait cut, you know, made. You know, it's mm -hmm. always fun. And then we wanted ones made just of them, but we had it all worked out, and we just left them there. And this, um, and they were left with the photographer, like holding a piece of paper, going, "You're gonna have to now find your parents, like, because we were going on vacation." Yeah, but we're <laughs> not there. And we like rented, like, well, now it would have been Ubers would have been easier, but. We rented like someone to come and pick them up and they were going around getting clues trying to find us for hours while we're somewhere we're in a bar laughing and you know and then as there are people you know we have people calling in they just came here they just came there they were gone forever we've oh yeah like they didn't know we've taken them to airports and said hey this is great had them unpack the car 
literally have a guy put it on the car, you know, one of those people, because he was in on it too, and wheeling up to the gate and then say, yeah, no, it's a driving trip, all the way back <laughs> into the car. Yeah, it's a driving trip. Um, just, there's a million of them. And, you know, look, they get a little cranky, right? Which only made me happier. You're unhappy? <laughs> hey, I've been unhappy all year. <laughs> this works yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Some people laughed and some people were grumpy. But I guarantee you, I know it. They'll all do it with their children. I already know the, the oldest one does it. And oh. we'll see what the, the others will do it. I know they will. Yeah, I'm sure they will because how fun. Yeah. It was the best. It's this way of taking the situation that was outside of your control. You've got four kids who all have different ideas of what vacation should be. They're, somebody's going to be grumpy no matter what. So you took back the control and said, I don't care about your opinion. We're going to do this. And I'm still doing it because I don't know what's in my will. Yeah. Tell us about your will. Gee, I wonder what's in there. That's sad, isn't it? Are you going to make them do oh, something yeah. silly? <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Final mm -hmm. way of... Uh, Having control. And they know it, too. I love they it. know that there's no way it's going to be like, split it down four ways. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to be that simple. <laughs> you said that Ian and Bruce's kids, that it's they're not stepbrother and step-siblings. Has it always been that way? Was always, it always and I would never ask for that. That's I would never ask a kid, or neither would Bruce. Like, don't they came up with that on their own from day one, and we never asked about it. That's really, That's cool. it's really sweet. Did you all have any difficulty navigating like blending households and rules and roles and things of that, or did you have a plan in place? Maybe you can share. Well. Not really a plan because look, we had like an old-fashioned divorce from the way they used to be in the old, old days. So it was like um, every other weekend, you know, the Wednesday night for dinner. Then we instituted another, which is just the best, was one night alone. Each individual child I had with Bruce alone. So that was like Thursday nights. We rotated them. Um, okay. And then, um, you know, half the vacations, half the breaks, that kind of thing. So... And a lot of people have like weeks now where they alternate or, you know, it was more of that old fashioned kind of thing. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that that question is better asked of the children, mainly the stepchildren, because mm -hmm. you have to kind of look at the dynamics. Some has to do with the age of your children, um, whether you're you know, living together and all of that. So in our case, the person I always felt the worst for was, um, my stepson, who was, um, you know, it's two girls and a boy, so he was the only one. And then here comes another boy. And that's what I used to worry about. Not Ian. He was like, this is great. I'm seven. I'm eight. This is great. <laughs> He's still like that. And, but I would, I don't know, as the only girl, see, here you go. You start looking at your, yourself all the time. But as the only girl in my family, like, I don't want a sister. I, I don't. I, I'm honest, you know. But he, yeah. what Nathan always says is he just wanted a younger brother so badly. But mm. I think that's where in step family life, a lot of the fantasy starts kicking in. So yeah, my dad doesn't live with me, you know, where half the time he's probably doing all these things with Ian. Like they're just going to ball games and playing 24 seven and 
you know, I think that there was a lot of that. I can't speak for the girls, uh, you know, but I think, and I don't, I'm not speaking for Nathan either. They might have been thinking the same thing, like they have dads themselves. No, dad was working, same program. I'm running around, you know. It wasn't like that, but nobody would believe that if you were a kid on the other side, you know, and how much time. Right. And so to be sensitive to that, um, you know, when they came, you know, life just went on. People, we just kind of, you know, you, you adapt more to them as the people they are, the age again. So you start having teenagers and most of the arguing was about, you know, when you're with us, you're not going to sleep at a friend's every two nights out of the weekend. That was a big fight. Um, you yeah. could have one and, and anytime people can come here, we don't care. That was a big one. That was a big fight. Um, um, not really. I mean, because you're dealing more with individual people and what mm -hmm. they want to do. And probably there was more like entertaining going on because you're, again, the fantasy, Bruce always wants to do things with them or we thought it through more, you know, meals and but, but not that much mm -hmm. more than a normal family would, but it's probably a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think again, the age difference really helped. There's a 10 year age gap between our oldest and Ian, and then the youngest, there's a five year mm -hmm. gap. Yeah, that makes a okay. big difference. Yeah. It does, yeah. I, I appreciate you talking about what our minds do. So you're talking about Nathan's mindset and this fantasy of, well, dad must be playing ball with him all the time. And um, not that that is how Nathan experienced it, but he could have. And I think mm -hmm. we all do that to some extent, or at least many of us do. In the beginning, I was so worried about this time that my stepdaughter was having at her mom's house and feeling like mm -hmm. I had to live up to that. And I had to have some sort of roller coaster yes. amusement park happening at my house on the time that she was with us to live up to it and and it's not even that I mean it was down to like well her mom must make her some sort of home-cooked meal every day and I need to live mm -hmm. up to that and then you know weird part of our story that we lived together for three months and I saw that our mom wasn't perfect she wasn't the mm -hmm. amusement park mom every day and didn't make home-cooked meals every day and have an event every day because she's normal <laughs> because we build these things up in our head that it must be some other way we're missing out on something or mm -hmm. we're not doing enough and I don't think we talk about that right. what our mind does in those moments enough and I really appreciate you bringing that up yeah and also you know some of that I know we all talk about this is the pressure we feel from our partners right so mm -hmm on from ourselves first like we want to be so perfect for them we love them dearly and so we're trying to be in our heads that part of it perfect but also there's something real life pressure from partners you know what do you mean I, you don't have to you have to be here we have to fill in any have to sentence right we have to do this i want to do this or we have to spend they're here every other week and whenever we have to spend every second with them that kind of thing and i think the Sometimes I feel like the pressure is much more from the, our partnerships than it is from anything well, else. Well, they're usually operating from this place of guilt. Um, I only see my kids so many days, and so right. we have to make the most of it. It has to be perfect. We need to all be present. They need right. to not have those sleepovers because they need to be here. They need to be with us. And I, I get it. I get it on a very deep level of miss your kids and you want to oh, yeah. see them. 
but they're also kids. Oh, yeah. And it's this tricky balance. Uh Big time. Big time. And you find out in the end, none of it, all that was never real. And the kids were thinking about, shockingly, themselves, you know, (laughs) where, and now with social media, it's 10 times worse, right? So, you know, you can just imagine. And the bigger concerns now is going to be gaming time, sticking your face in your phone. Those are much more global and also step family things. What are you allowed to post or not post and getting an alignment there and the alignment between the two houses. That's probably huge, huge. Yeah. And, and forging a relationship with people whose noses are in the screen. You know, it's, it's funny because really we've tried so hard to combat that. Krista got her first phone a little over a year ago. We got it for her Christmas last mm-hmm. year. And it's, it's a gab phone. So she doesn't have social media. She doesn't have internet, which is really right. nice. It helps us to feel safer about that transition into phone life. But she still wants to text her friends all the time. And so we've worked really hard to... I, and I think we over we did win in overkill, and we play family games and we watch shows together as a family and we eat dinner together as a family and we're very intentional about that time when she's with us. And one day she was like, "Okay, but I really just want to go make slime in my bedroom. Can I just have time to go make That's slime?" Right. And we we're like, "Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you can." <laughs> and so she's thinking about herself and what she wants. That's right. And we don't need to put pressure on ourselves to fill all that time. And it's been a balance for us because Kevin wants that time. I want that time with her before she's 16 and doesn't want to be with us at all. But giving her the freedom to be herself and do what she wants to do. Well, I can really scare people now because <laughs> guess what? I've got the next generation. These people oh, multiply. Your grandkids. Mm-hmm. I've got 10 grandchildren. They range in age from a few weeks to 14. And so, and you know what? I've learned a lot from them. And it's in some ways, the relationship is similar. So what I've learned is, like, what would you want to do? If you were, like, coming over and you had school all day, probably extracurricular stuff to do, maybe homework, I don't know. And even talking to your friends can be draining. What would you want to do? Chill and do nothing and watch dumb TV, the same thing we do. I say I do with them a lot. I'm like, you know what? You guys go through a lot. Let's go. Crawl into bed. Let's watch something dumb and just chill out. And you know what? We're not going to, you know, whatever we have for dinner, whatever. They love that. And there's the bridge, you know, instead of like, okay, and now the next event. And I'm, I'm, by the way, worst person on the planet for that. I used to do it all the time. And I still do it to some extent, but I – only do the things that I enjoy, like to be clear with myself, like, you know, I want to color or things that I really think would be fun to do rather than a 24 hour circus. We used to have like mandatory family game night on a certain day of the week. And that was exhausting for all of us. And so I was like, I don't want to do it. She doesn't, Kevin doesn't want to do it. (laughs) Why are we forcing ourselves into this ritual in the name of family right. bonding, let's do something that we all want to do instead. That's, that's silly. No, no, none yeah. of that. Even just chilling is okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I yeah. think that there's also something to be said about it feeling more like home. Instead of going to the amusement right. park, you're going home 
and chilling. Right. And you want to make right. your house mm-hmm. not cold. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you yeah. want. And that's why it's the little things that you may not think about. I know I wrote about forever and I'm always say it's little things that you can do that are not that intrusive because you can just put some cinnamon sticks and have them, you know, on the stove or something to make your house smell like vanilla or smell like cinnamon or if you want to bake brownies. But, you know, your olfactory nerve is the most sensitive sense of all of them. So even just a small thing, just knowing that your house always smells like, you know, that homey smell, even if it's fake, who cares? Huge difference. Because the memories will trigger, like, this is, like, so homey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, think about those smells and, you know, and pick your favorite smell. It could be, like, a favorite candle that you have. Mm -hmm. Just keep it lit, and they'll associate that lovely smell with you guys. Yeah. You know, the relaxation. It's so easy. I love that. I haven't thought about it in the Mm -hmm. home, but whenever we were getting married, I went and did, like, a makeup trial, and the person... Uh suggested to me that I get like a signature fragrance for our wedding and that I wear right. it on date night so that I always associate that smell with love and happiness. Exactly the same yeah. thing. It's exactly the same thing. And yes, and on YouTube, I used to do that. I've never told anybody that, but I always used to have like a, you know, not expensive, but like a, a perfume. I always wanted the kids that I smelled a certain way. I bet you they would say, you smell like body odor. I know they will. <laughs> Okay, guys, I said it. Okay, I know you're going to say that. But even with the grandchildren, when you're holding babies, you know, you always smell like a rose or something like that. And that's, you know what? That goes a long way. Long way. It's funny. Chocolate was always my thing. Brownies were in the oven. But, you know, you don't have to go to all that trouble. We'll uh, walk into someplace and be like, oh, that smells like my grandma's house. And it's just this overwhelming joy and peace that you feel. That's right. And it's as simple as that. And you don't have to say anything or do anything else. You take anything away, it's as simple yeah. as that. I love it. Huge difference. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the grandkids. Let's talk about adult stepchildren, if you don't mind, because I am not there no, yet. Not at all. But so many stepmoms I know are like counting down the day until their stepkids turn 18. But it's not really like things just end there. What does that transformation look like when they turn 18? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's families that, like, when people turn 18, something magical happens, but not okay. around here. I mean, if you think about it, it's only going to get worse. I mean, when you talk about egocentricity and the ability to only think about yourself, you're, you're really your only ability to really start being empathetic really starts to kick in in your 30s. So, like, 18 and the 20s. Mm-hmm. Do some research. Just Google what happens to people in their 20s. It's really, I mean, that's for anybody. This is mm-hmm. not a stepchildren thing, but just know it gets more egocentric. And then when you have expectations that, oh, we're finally going to be free, we're finally going to be whatever, fill in the blank, and we could do whatever we want, not so much. If people are going to college, there's fights over, you know, <laughs> parent weekend, when you're going to go visit them, how much you're sending them. The money thing really starts to kick into gear. Think about how expensive. Now we're getting major into cars tuition, money for them to go on vacation. I mean, blah, 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 blah. That stuff happens. 
Um, and you know, when kids come home, sometimes they'll be living with you and that's not on your radar. So my greatest advice, I don't know why people think 18 means something. It means nothing. It's just going to get like worse because you're hope you're more hopeful. You know, you don't have to pick them up from someplace necessarily, but that is no, that is not really happening. And yes, maybe more so on a day-to-day -day basis because if they're away at school, I mean, they're clearly you not have to make them dinner, or those kinds of things. But when they do come in, you know, let's say you you, you have a stepchild you don't particularly like, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're still probably not going to like them during their college years, and they're only going to be idiots. Have you, have you have boys, girls, I mean, college kids, think about that. Just sit there and think about that. Happening in your home or dealing with those phone calls or bad grades or, I mean... You know, I'm not trying to make like it's never going to end because it, it's a great transition time because they're not in the house necessarily all the time. And when they are, you don't have to feel as responsible. They have their own lives. So, yes, you're easing out of it. Um, yes, you don't have to deal with mom as often. You know, you should at that point, you know, but you could have heavy resentment depending on your divorce decree. Some of them read where or a lot of divorce decrees don't deal with those mm -hmm. years. Oh, that's, you know. Financially, they kind of end at, I don't know, some midpoint. Yeah. And then that could cause a lot of angst, anxiety, because now the dollars are super mm -hmm. big. And um, so I wouldn't be sitting there counting. You know, yes, it gets better. I don't act like it doesn't get better. But it's not like the end, end, end. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once they move off after that and they start doing their thing and getting jobs and grad school and things like that, it's probably – one of like the easier spans of time ever because you're visiting, you're, you know, talking on the phone, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's much more what I think everyone's thinking about mm -hmm. in terms of all of that. But remember this, the grandchildren come mm -hmm. and then that is another life cycle event. And every time there's a life cycle event, it usually creates not a big deal, but some kind of turmoil in step family life as they create a new solution every mm -hmm. time. So you have a new grandchild. Who goes in to see the baby first? Mom or dad? I don't know. Who's babysitting? Who's going to see them more often? Are you, we all get together for every birthday, every everything, every dance recital, every sports thing, every, yeah. you know. But it's not like it was. Nobody, yeah. you know, remember, you're getting older. It's different. We're all not managing these children. We're just having fun with them. It's way, way, way different. It's, it's okay. It's the only thing that I've ever really noticed has been significantly different with the stepkids because stepkids don't really shift except, and I've noticed this with my own brother and sister, they turn 18 and all of a sudden they think they just make all the rules and they make... <laughs> I'm 18. I can yeah. make a, I can make my own decisions, and I can decide if I want to go to mom's house or dad's house or whatever that looks like. And that's another dynamic. But I really appreciate you bringing up just how much more money we're talking about here and how that mm. shifts things. And then if you aren't covered under a parenting plan that's going to detail what that looks like, you probably want to look at that now ahead of 18 and feel prepared for that. Exactly right. And not only, even if there is a parenting plan, I mean, now the, the requests are, like I said, like, I want to go to Mexico with my friends, or I, I need this great dress, or whatever. The requests are larger, 
And then that becomes more emotional. Partner is feeling, you know, everybody wants to be loved, liked, and then they start giving them the money and you don't necessarily feel like, whoever's hearing this, it's a good time to start talking about it now. Yeah. What is the expectation and, and all the rest of it? Yeah. And if you do have a stuffed kid that you don't particularly like, like you said, and you're talking about those college years, well, what, where does that stuffed kid plan on spending their summers? And are you prepared for that? Well, you know, here's my advice on that. Like, first of all, that stuff could definitely end up living with you. That's different now. That happens. But also, you know, usually the complaints that I've always heard from clients, maybe you have too, is like they're selfish. They only think about themselves. They're irresponsible. They don't do chores. They're just like their bio parent. <laughs> There's another one. You know, I, I challenge you to wait it out. I know that's a horrible piece of advice. The first one we gave, that's horrible. Let them go through everything. These people grow up, you know? They figure things out on their own. Whatever there is to figure out, they're no different than you and I. They figure it out. They figure it out. And so the best thing you can do for yourself is like, okay, this you have a child that doesn't do the dishes, okay? They're 25, you can walk away and not get them done or fight with your partner to get let him do it and say, look, I'm not doing it. Let your partner do it. Doesn't have to be a he. I mean, let your partner do it. Or just know it's not changing now and I'm just gonna do the dishes, who cares? But to have this constant yearning for these people to be some perception of what you want them to be. Let's see what happens when they're in their 40s. I'm ready to put my money down that it's a far different story. I know who I was in my teenage years is definitely different than who I am That's today. Right. <laughs> uh, That's right. And we always forget that. And we're changing too. I mean, and so is the ex, believe it or not. They're growing up and they're having their lives. And, and you know, they realize, you know, it's not a competitive thing and all the rest of it. And the kids will start talking when they're older and to everybody because they're going to work out their lives like we do trying to work out our lives. Well, and it's like we talked you know. about with the vacations. If there's something that you don't like, set boundaries, do what you can to control it. You have a say in this life. It's not that you're just subject to these external variables. You get to have a say as well. Mm-hmm. But also keep in mind that it's going to change and it's going to get better. Think time will heal. Right. And there's so much to be said mm. for doing nothing. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to whatever or whatever's floating. And whatever's floating in your head, I challenge you, it's something about your childhood, the way you were raised, what you felt you didn't get, what your authoritarian figures told you growing up. They're playing those tapes over and over. Or any insecurities that you feel as a result of that, That's those are the tapes they're playing. Remember, we're in these situations for a reason most likely like for our own life class. And so when you're like, why does this bother me so much? Just take out a piece of paper and make a rule like you can't pick up the pen for 10 minutes. That's a long time to write and just write like everything about your childhood. And even if you just put no scribble scrabble, just keep writing, 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 writing. And you start writing your own story, you'll find out why. Didn't feel like you were loved enough. You were lonely, rejection. We all go through it, grief. Yeah, I I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. place to end. I think we need to leave people thinking about that. It's a great nugget. Do nothing. The power right. of doing nothing. 
I love so great. it. Favre, you are a fabulous resource. I so appreciate your time meeting with us today. What is the best way that our audience can get in touch with you, learn more about your business, your retreats, oh, all of the how things? How many more pages can I have? There's the <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> theevilstepmotherspeaks.com and barb at theevilspeaks.com. And on Facebook, shockingly, theevilspeaks.com. There's also Stepmom Life Class. And there's also Stepmom Sanctuary Retreats. Those are our retreats. And retreats are sort of in developmental stages. We just did Stepmom 2. So there's like Stepmom 1 when you're in the trenches in the first five, seven years. But once you get older, we're done with that and we're doing something else. And um, uh, the book is easy to find, The Evil Stepmother Speaks. Twitter, it's Stepmom Speaks. Same as Instagram is uh, Stepmom Speaks. So Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes, everyone. Um, you're, you're a true gem. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I love stepmommy. I love being a part yes, of it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, and thank you for listening to the Stepmomming Made Easy podcast. We will see you next week.